Welcome to The Corresponding Author. This is episode three. My name is Stephanie Hicks, and I'm a co-host with John Muschelli. And today we're going to talk about what is data science. So, John, what is data science? I mean, I think that's a pretty uh, hard question to come out of the gate. There's a lot of debate online. So I know you and Roger Pang have just written a uh, article about what is data science. So I'm going to just like turn it right back to you and have you start. Well, okay. First of all, when you think about data science, what do you think of? I mean, we, we talked about this offline and I, I said the, the Venn diagram by Drew Conway. I, mean, I think a lot of people recognize that was one of the, uh, maybe not first attempts, but one of the most popular attempts at saying what is data science, right? And Yeah. I mean, he's got this Venn diagram. It's from, I think, 2010. So pretty early days in the, the world of data science. And he defines it as the intersection correct me if I'm wrong, of um, substantive, ex- substantive expertise, statistics, and hacking yeah. skills. And so what do you think of those three areas as the intersection of data science? I think it's, I think it's a, not, uh, it's definitely not the worst definition I've ever heard. It's definitely like a uh, definition that I see a lot of merit to in some respects. But I think we, we describe this as a kind of an intersection approach. Obviously, it's a Venn diagram. But... Uh, not necessarily something building from the ground up. So uh, I, I wonder if you really think of like statistics, like if we defined it as something in the same way, I guess it is a derivative of a mathematics field, but I don't think a lot of people think of statistics from like a Venn diagram approach or any other kind of field in many respects. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like, our field is defined by intersections of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could also think about is data science a derivative of statistics or a derivative of computer science or a derivative of many other established fields. But I mean, when you when you think about data science as this intersection definition, I mean, what he's trying to say is you're you're framing the discussion based on methods or technologies or languages or tools such as uh, Python or R, SQL or Hadoop or really a long list of applications. And it's interesting because when you think about that definition, you're really defining data science only in relation to other fields or technologies. And I'm not I'm not sure that's the best way of defining it yeah. is no, if agree. you want to really consider what is the field of data science. So I think I have two major problems with this intersection definition. What and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. So first, there's really no agreement on what are these foundations of data science. So like if you think about the Venn diagram approach, he defines it as substantive expertise, statistics, and hacking skills. But other people define it differently. Other people define it, you know, with computer science in there or, I mean, many other things, data engineering. And nobody can really agree on what those core things are and also what degree of overlap do they have and how much do you need of each? What do you think? No, I think that's that's definitely the case. And uh, I'm interested because I, w- I would like to kind of get a review of some of the data science curricula out there because I think if we're trying to train data scientists to the future, then like really understanding what we need to even teach them, right? You have to kind of define the field in order to do that. And I think people are maybe going at it from this point of view, like what skills do you need to be a quote unquote data scientist because they're coming to an impasse now where they have to like train people. So I wonder mm-hmm. whether right. if, if that kind of motivates some of this because um, for certain people, I definitely think it's, so I think there's definitely some interesting, uh, also some tug in cheek definitions out there, right? Uh, one, I think a lot of oh, statisticians yeah. think, oh, uh, data scientists are just applied statisticians, which I don't agree with necessarily. Uh, I think you can be both, but they are not, you know, a subset of each other and equal. I think the other thing is uh, it's something like a data scientist is like a statistician who can code like more poorly than any engineer. And then the other on the flip side where it's like, it's an engineer who's, who is much, much worse than a regular statistician or knows a little bit more than your average engineer, but like not a good statistician, something like that, where there's a lot of things like the fields kind of actually bashing heads a little bit. Uh, I think they're mostly tongue in cheek, but it does show that there is an, I do think that does show there is an intersection of things, but that doesn't mean that is the way it's defined. Right. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Um, 
And going off that there are other Venn diagrams or other ways that people have defined data science. So you can Google, for example, modern data scientist, and they describe it as just having a mixture of multidisciplinary skills ranging from an quote-unquote intersection of math, stats, computer science, communication, and business. And then they actually list out specific skills that a data scientist is supposed to have. And it's pretty extensive. I mean, there's like in the math stats world, there's like machine learning and statistical modeling, experimental design, um, supervised learning, unsupervised learning, optimization. Then there's like programming and database skills. So having scripting language skills or having database skills such as SQL or relational algebra, um, being able to have parallel databases or parallel query processing, MapReduce concepts, Hadoop. Um, and then there's like visualization, the ability to really communicate and engage with management, storytelling skills. And that's pretty extensive if you think about it. I mean, somebody who's going to get trained in a data science field or have a tra training in the data science degree it's hard to imagine somebody coming out of like a two or a three year program with all of these skills, having a really solid foundation. No, absolutely. I think it's, it's, that's a good point that I wasn't thinking of like, you know, training people, but I was also, I guess thinking now after you defined all those things is like hiring as well, right? Cause if you're a company and you're, or, or a university and you're, you want to, to create a job posting for a data scientist, right? I think in the tech industry, you know, I've heard of uh, these terms like unicorns, people that know like everything, like, and are really good at all of it is like, you know, impossible to find. That's why they're a unicorn. They're, they're magical. They, they either are super, super rare or don't really exist. Um, so I think from a hiring perspective, that's why some of these definitions become like super broad, but that can actually be pretty damaging, I think, to, to new people in the field because they think they need to know literally everything. And, you know, usually as most things are, you have a, you know, a trade-off between breadth and depth. And if you think you need to know all these skills, right, and you you won't probably focus on one of them and become really good at it. So I, I don't really know Python well. I would say I know R really, really, really well, right? So I think that's important. Like knowing one thing and really knowing how to, how to do it well is, is really important. And the other thing, I, I will say the one thing that a some people put in and some people don't from my perspective is, uh, you know, domain knowledge of the thing you're working on. I think that's important because any data analysis, like people can be a technician and turn the knobs and, you know, run the analysis and, you know, get pump something out. But like understanding if any of that makes any sense from just like a, just a gut feel, not a gut feeling, but just by looking at a box plot and being like, those numbers don't make any sense because of X, Y, and Z. I think that is something that you need. So, so not just the ability to run a box plot, but the ability to like look at some of them and get some intuition um, over time or come into that field with some knowledge where you care about the, the problem at hand versus just what do I need to do to this data? I, I like how you mentioned that you care about the problem at hand. So I've also thought about the definition of data science, and it definitely starts with that. Um, but before we get to what I think data science is, I think I have a second major problem with this intersection definition. And it's because data science, when data science is defined really only in relation to existing fields of study, then or the tools that people use, for example, then it almost makes data science secondary in stature to those other fields, either in the university setting or an industry setting. I mean, it, it doesn't make it feel like its own thing. And I, I think it is. I feel like it definitely is. And I want a better definition because I want it to stand on its own as opposed to just defining it in relation to something else. What do you think? No, I, th I think that's a, I think that's a fair point, especially because we are going to cover uh, a uh, paper uh, later about hiring and promoting uh, data scientists in, in academia. So I think that that's a really important point because if you can't go to a committee or you can't, you know, make a new program or something like that, really understanding what you want to do, the type of people you want or the type of people you want to promote, if you can't do those things, it's just not going to be a good time for those people you hire. It's just going to be really tough because you're not going to really, it's going to be problematic because it's this ever-moving target that 
you you need to hit and it, especially if you think that other people like if you hired a data scientist someone you you consider like we hired you as a data scientist in a stat or biostat department and aren't very clear that it is on the same level as statistics or it's something separate but its own thing i think that can be really problematic that you're saying if it's derivative that those people might be treated completely differently yeah. Um, with respect to promotion or hiring or students or teaching or any of the things in academia. I mean, teaching, you just brought it up teaching. That's like a great point. So if we, if we define data science as this intersection definition and nobody can really agree on what are the circles that overlap and what degree they overlap and what tools or methods or languages do we need to teach? I mean, what happens is, or the result is that there's, there's just a lack of identity for what is data science or what data scientists should be doing or, and then if you're thinking about teaching, how do you consist how do you create a curriculum that's consistent across the US or across the world if everybody thinks that data science I mean if data science means different things to different people when you base it on just this intersection definition of methods or tools there's really a, a complete inconsistency in the curriculum that's taught. And I'm, I find that very frustrating as an educator. It would be better, in my opinion, to have a different definition that would allow for more consistency. Yeah, but I, I think that's that's a good luck. Good luck. I'm saying because like even like statistics, yeah, like, there's no consistent curricula per se. I mean, there are some fundamentals, right? If you came out of a, a statistics program and you didn't maybe know linear models at all, I think the whole field would say that was not probably great training. Okay, but would you would you argue that the training for a data science curriculum right now is more consistent than a statistics curriculum? Mm, in some aspects, no. Most as most aspects, no. Some aspects, actually, yes. Oh, really? Like what? I think that um, being able to manipulate and run analyses on standard rectangular data that are usually in spreadsheet form is almost every single data science program agrees that 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 is a skill that someone needs to be able to do what what those what what uh methods you use on that data set is totally variable but that i would say is everybody agrees on that interesting i would argue that it's even more important to teach not just on rectangular data but non-rectangular data, so messy data. I think in the the quote-unquote wild or on the job, whenever you encounter data, it's almost never clean and rectangular and ready to be analyzed. I mean, as as you know, or at least I assume that you know, I feel like 90% of the work that I do in a given data analysis is always either gathering the data or cleaning the data. I mean, there's just so much that comes before you even get to exploratory data analysis or modeling or anything like that. I would agree, but I'm I'm just saying not everybody, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to work in a place where there's data engineers, which put the data format into a way. So I could see some people even like, you don't need to worry about some of these aspects, but you need to be able to work with the rectangular data. I mean, I agree with you. I'm sure. saying that that I can very strongly say, like, if you can't work on rectangular data and analyze it in any way, like, you're not a data scientist. Like, you, you, like, I, unless or you're a super specialized person. You could make the argument about, for example, p-values and statistics. Like, if you don't know what a p-value is, are you a statistician? Oh, that's a that's a good question. That's a really hot potato. But I think it's a good question, and I would right. agree that. Knowing the correct definition of a p-value and a confidence interval or a credible interval, depending on how you're trained, uh, is definitely everybody would agree on that. So I, I mean, again, in most aspects, statistical uh, statistics departments and biostatistics departments are more consistent, but there are still some things like the question is for ma- okay, master's level statisticians or biostatisticians, do we need to teach them measure theoretic probability? Some people say yes. Some people say no. Measure theoretic probabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Measure theoretic is always an an easy one to throw out there that people, there's always going to be a dividing line there. I mean, a lot of the curriculum that's taught in stats department is based on probability. I mean, on some form or fashion, a lot of people teach it essentially based on probability. And do I use it every day in my day-to-day work? I would argue no. (laughs) Okay. So... Let's think about a different definition. So there's a book called Modern Data Science with R, and it's by Ben Bomber, Danny Kaplan, and Nicholas Horton. And they they have a nice 
quote in there that says, quote, we hold a broad view of data science. We see it as the science of extracting meaningful information from data. What do you think about that one? Extracting meaningful information of data. I think that's that's a good definition. I I do like the, I always I do like the question of if it's not modern, what, what is it? Like is it past like past data science? Like is it, what, 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 is it ancient data science? Is it also what is it going to be two years from modern. now? Like yeah, super modern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. In the world of ge- genomics, we have this problem where we've defined this thing called next generation sequencing. And we are so far beyond that now, and we're still referring it to it as next generation sequencing. But now we have to come up with like these super definitions or mega definitions to be able to define it. Um, so. You just you just need to version control. It's like version five, right? Like yeah, that's um, that's also a terrible versioning system. But uh, okay, so extracting meaningful was it insights from the data? It is extracting meaningful information from data. Yeah, I think that's uh, that, the word meaningful ha- ha- carries a lot of weight there. And I think that's that's good, though. I mean, I think it's a great start. But for me, this is way too broad. I mean, there could be so many things that also apply to this definition. At least I see it that way. The science of extracting meaningful information from data. Yeah, and it, um, we've talked about this before, like meaningful actually is a audience dependent measure usually so what's meaningful to you is it meaningful to me what's meaningful to me is it meaningful to my collaborator could be yes and no all over the place right and then information from data what information to what degree i mean how do you extract it it's just there's a lot wrapped up in those few little words that i feel like could use a little bit more specifics yeah i i think that i think I don't know if the definition needs to in any way lend lend itself to be like, oh, how do I become this or how do I embody this? Um, but that one definitely leaves me a bit wanting on that end to say like, oh, like just extract meaningful data f- information from data and be on your way. Simple as that. Yeah. I don't think I so I will say I don't think I I don't think I have a better definition necessarily than that. I know you've thought a lot hard a lot long and hard about it, but I don't want to like dismiss other people's definition without also saying that like I it's hard for me to, to think about this. I think it's hard for everybody. I think we, as the world, as a data science community, are struggling with it. You could definitely see it in people's other Venn diagrams that they write, yeah. for example, or blog posts when they decide or describe what is data science. Um, another definition that intrigues me is one by Michael, I'm going to say his name wrong, Hoster. He, uh, it's on listed on Quora's website. And he was or is the director of data science at Stitch Fix and or was a director at 2014. And he says, data scientists are people with some mix of coding and statistical skills who work on making data useful in various ways. And in his world, there are two main types. Type A data scientists. So the A is for analysis. And here he says these people are concerned with making sense okay. of data or working with it in a static way. So I think that's important, the type A analysis or type A data scientist. So these people are very similar to statisticians, may be one, but they know all the practical details of working with data that are not taught in a stats curriculum. So data cleaning, methods for dealing with large data, visualization, deep knowledge of a particular domain, as you said writing well about data and so forth. So that's type A data science. And what do they mean by static? Static meaning that you're not necessarily working with it in an interactive way. Like you can imagine you have data streaming in from some source. And usually the statisticians are working with it in a static way. Like you download the data once and you have a table Mm -hmm. and it's static. Um, But there's no like system-wide engineering approach that you have to be cognizant of, I guess, is what he means. Okay, and then there's type B data scientist. So B is for building. Type B data scientists share some stat background with type A, but they're also very strong coders and maybe trained as software engineers. The type B data scientist is mainly interested in using data, quote, in production, end quote. They build models which interact with users, often serving recommendations. So products, maybe people you know, ads, movies, search results, and so forth. So I, this is like a different approach. The idea is 
to define data science based on what a data scientist does. And so he defines data science as like two different categories, the type A for the analysis and the type B for building. What do you think of that? Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of myself and I, I see some problems with that because I see myself as a B statistician uh, I, or sorry, data scientist. Data yeah, scientist. So, um, yeah. Anytime you put any ordering to things. I, I don't love that either. Right. It's like, okay. are you, a, are you an A or a B? It's like, I'm a B. Um, <laughs> it's like the personality test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, no one, and there's all different connotations with type A. So I'm, I'm not, I don't love the, the name of it really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I build things. Production is the, I like that he, he put it in quotes at least because I do think I put a lot of my code in production that, that, uh, in the form of R packages so other people can use it. And those models definitely do interact with users, but they also de- interact with like developers. But I don't necess- I do not do recommendation systems. And what I think about production and what some people in the, maybe the tech space think about production aren't necessarily the same at all. Uh, so, I mean, like things that can scale to millions or billions, like my models don't necessarily do that kind of thing. So um, it depends on what you mean by production. But I see myself as a B. Uh, and I think... They're not, they're not terrible. They do encompass two very specific, specific things in data science, specific types of things you'll be doing in data science. But um, I'm a little bit intrigued as to like where you draw the line, right? So there's a lot of, there's some overlap. It's like if you're good at visualization and you do, rec- you know, production code, but you don't really write particularly well or communicate pre- really well, like, are you A or B? Right. And like, can you imagine when you're trying to hire a data scientist, you're like, are you type A or are you type B? And you have to decide, you have to figure out and make that clear, I guess, in the advertisement and identify who those people are when you bring them in. Yeah. I also identify a little bit with A and B. So it's hard for me to sort of categorize them this way. I mean, I can clearly think of people who fit into both categories, but I can clearly think of people who would straddle the two types. And so I like this this um, approach of defining data science based on what a data scientist does better than the intersection approach or the the Venn diagram approach. Mm -hmm. But I still think like there's room for improvement. What do you think? No, I I definitely think there is. Uh, And I just wanted to, I think there's a lot uh, some room for improvement, but I do think at least this one is specific, right? This has specific tasks and goals uh, of of an uh, a data scientist for what they want to do, uh, so I think from someone who's learning right. and wanting to be one, I think devising some skill set, this is this is good in that domain. So I, I also wanted to just bring up like the term data scientist. So um, I think people would argue that I think it's in two thousand eight, DJ Patel and uh, Jeff Hammerbacher are the ones who kind of coined the term. But I I especially coming from a uh, biostatistics background, uh, a Bill Cleveland, I think is the person I believe really coined the term and the idea of data science as its own thing. And I definitely, so I don't, um, I don't, you know, there's a major court uh, uh, ruling that says like, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it kind of thing. Uh, And Bill Cleveland definitely from a statistician's point of view is a data scientist, I think. Um, So he's the person who created like the low S smoother and other things like that. But he is one of the reasons that statisticians really don't like pie charts because um, of his study, he, he did study where he did different visual visual representations and asked people yeah. about them. And there was some ground truth and gave, you know, some insights to like, does this present better than that? And that is, to me, almost the quintessential thing about data science in the sense like you're using data to inform science, but also th- like it's not meta science, but it's, it's, it's data. Uh, it's he's doing analysis of the process of data analysis. Right, the analytical process. Yeah, so he's doing something that I would consider in many respects, which is a very weird term to some people, is theoretical data science. That is, yeah, I totally agree. It's very interesting to hear that type of argument, right? Um, It's interesting that you brought up Bill Cleveland. So what do you think the difference is, since we are in a biostat department, for example, what do you think the difference is between a statistician and a data scientist? Or what are some of the differences? Like, how can you identify whether somebody's a data scientist or a statistician? Um, that's that's a that's a. I good mean, they question. could just tell yeah. you how they self-identify. That's one way. That is one way. <laughs> that is one way. But um, 
Yeah. But like as faculty, we have to evaluate, for example, candidates that come in, or we evaluate postdoc candidates, yeah. or we evaluate students, and we we try to identify whether they would fit into one category or not, or maybe they they're both. I mean, how do you think yeah, about it? <laughs> or if you see somebody's work online. So I think a lot of people do have the, and I'll say I have some of these inherent, uh, maybe subconscious biases that like, you know, if you show me you have a GitHub, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe they, maybe they do code. Maybe they do some software, you know, they have an R package here or there. I'm like, oh, like that, that somewhere internally, I got some points going up the data scientist scale. Right. It's interesting. You're talking about like tools. You're talking about specific methods. And yeah. that's a bias on my own. Cause that's what I do. Um, Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's a good question because I I've, and I will run on a tangent real quick and then come back is that this is also is a good question about hiring people. So there are people at this school that I know in the School of Medicine that were hiring a data analyst, right? They didn't call it a data scientist, but they gave them a data set that from their, one of their studies, you know, some de-identified data. And they said, you know, find some interesting stuff in like a, in a week, which I thought was really innovative because I have been on interviews for industry jobs in the tech sector. And that's what they do. They say, here's a data set of random data that they gave you. And they, but they didn't give me a week. They gave me a day and said, bring back a full report. So I think uh, evaluation of who you're hiring is an interesting process that academia and maybe has been adopting some of the methods from tech industry, but can you define someone as a candidate when they come in and when you're trying to hire them by a report? Can you like, can you do it that way? Like, I don't know what I define it as, but I know when I see it. Yeah, that's a great question. Evaluation of who you are hiring is really fascinating to me. So the question is, can you define someone as a candidate just by a report? Hmm. I definitely think there can be a lot of variation in the types of reports that you might get from people if, if I were hiring or you were hiring, meaning that for a given question, people can build wildly different data analyses, even if they're answering the same question. There are studies showing that, like peer-reviewed publications. So, um, however, to get at this question, it kind of requires you to get an even harder question of what are the differences between a data scientist and say a statistician or a computer scientist? Well, okay, so for one thing, I've heard something like a statistician always says what you can't do, while a data scientist always says what you can do. Now, I don't think that's a very effective definition, so I'll just leave it there. Um, Or you may think that it has something to do with, I don't know, um, whether or not the person can work with big data. Or you may think it has something to do with the, uh, the types of applications that the individual works in or the types of methods that they use. Um, another way of thinking about it, one that I like to think about, is this difference between, say, a data scientist and a statistician is how they approach problems. So... I should preface this by saying that I have a PhD in statistics. I've been trained as a statistician. However, I feel more and more like a data scientist in academia. So take that for what it's worth. But okay, so if you consider all the statisticians out there in the world, the people who identify themselves as a statistician, and you consider all the data scientists out there in the world, the people who identify themselves as a data scientist, when it comes to sort of defining a question. So say you're, you've got a problem at hand and you want to think about what's the question I want to define. And then it comes to gathering the data. I feel like the average statistician is trained to be a bit more passive than a data scientist when it comes to this area. So <laughs> there are definitely big exceptions. I should state that. Not everyone can be classified this way. I'm not trying to say Um, that statisticians are passive and data scientists are active. So let me try to explain what I mean. So in stat courses, for example, or in our curriculum, and even in our research to an extent, statisticians are typically trained to wait until a researcher comes to you with some kind of question or some kind of problem or some kind of data. And then you as a statistician can work with the researcher on the best way of solving that problem, which is great. However, in contrast, I kind of feel like the average data scientist is trained to be a bit more active when, when they approach problems. So, for example, I find that the 
an average data scientist is much more eager and excited about not only the data analysis part, which an applied statistician, applied statistician also does a great job of, but an, a data scientist is also very interested in figuring out, is this the right question to be even addressing? Or what's the best kind of data that we can get to answer this question? Or maybe we need to rethink that entirely. Um, they definitely go through the data analysis part and then, of course, communicating the results. So, for example, predicting the results of the 2020 presidential election. I mean, there's tons of great questions. And when I see people or see, yeah, when I see data analyses online in the wild, for example, I get this feeling like they really thought hard about what was the question that they were trying to address and what was the data that I'm going to use to address it and what is the best method to answer this question. Now, of course, there are definitely great applied statisticians out there who are very active in this, this area. And they're, on the flip side, there are data scientists who play a less active role when thinking about the problem and the solutions. But this is just one way that I've thought about separating the two in my mind. What do you think? I think that's a that's a fair point because it also has really come along with the times in the sense like genomics, right? You've been releasing data, publicly available data for quite some time now. But I think maybe in the last five to 10 years, um, really a lot of the, this data has become like available. Like you think of all the APIs and services now that like exist that you can access like large swaths of data. Where if you think of uh, like a statistician as someone who's analyzed data historically, and, and I'm saying historically like, 50 years ago, right? You know, pretty much that data was collected by either a physician or an epidemiologist or a field researcher, things like this. And then the data was brought, like literally hand entered or entered into um, some system, usually by hand. And then somebody analyzed the data, right? So I think this comes back to that static mm -hmm. point of view. And now that the data has become a lot more dynamic in the sense like you today, like you don't have to, you don't have to ask anybody you don't have to design a survey necessarily but you can answer really interesting questions just by using the twitter api using different apis for healthcare facebook or you know linkedin things like that and i mean obviously those are all like tech things but you know uh cms data that you can just uh apply for and um the data sharing although it's still not where i'd like it to be for certain things it's substantially lowered the bar for data collection right so or, or um, data access, right. but it's also increased the ability for data collection in, in very different ways. So although like some of these services have large swaths of data, they might not be asking the same question as you and you going out and gathering different sources of data like you're talking about and starting with the problem, doing the data collection yourself in some respects, either that's, you know, scraping or gathering or whatever, it's still a collection process. It's not what most people think of as the quote unquote data collection process, right? They think of gathering the data from the user or the patient right. or the survey participant, right? It's like, it, it is, it is still data collection. You're still collecting right. data, but it's not your, it's not the standard data collection. It's data aggregation or, um, something like that. So I think that has changed. And now statisticians are in a field where, or in a um, environment where, you know, depending on the topic, we might be able to ask and try to answer a question with data without having a collaborator um, there. And I think academic institutions where there's standard statisticians or biostatisticians that is a that is a new concept. Whereas data scientists, they say like, okay, like I know how to grab data. I know, I have a problem I want to answer. Like I don't need a collaborator, right? So it's a different model completely. Right. And I should be clear. I don't mean to say one is worse than the other. And I also don't mean that, for example, there's a difference between the theoretical parts of statistics and the applied parts of statistics. So some parts of statistics are focused on the optimal, the opt what happens like in a, in the asymptotics, what happens is N goes to infinity. What's the best um, estimator for this particular model, for example. And then there's the applied statistics. And a lot of, think of a lot of applied statisticians, rightfully so, feel like they are data scientists. I mean, I hear that all the time. What's the difference between me and a data scientist? 
And I, I think it is closer to being a data scientist than more of a, a theoretical statistician. But I still think if you look at the curriculum that's taught in a stat department, it's really not sufficient to train somebody in data science. There's really a lot more to it than what's currently being taught in the curriculum. And so some people would argue, or statisticians would argue, well, a lot of that is picked up, for example, during your research project, when you're, if you're getting a master's or a PhD, or you pick that up on the job and we don't need to teach those skills. But I feel like that does a disservice to the people who want to be trained and to become a data scientist. It's not sufficient to just teach them stat courses. I think there's a lot more to it than that. No, I, I agree. So uh, coming back to being able to collect and do your own analysis, I just want to say like, oh, sure. although there is that danger zone, or sorry, although there that da- Venn diagram, there are some issues with it. I would I will say this definitely falls in what we uh, Drew Kama called the danger zone. So if you if you're if you don't if you don't know the area you care about and are analyzing data in there, that's why you good collaborators mean the world because they can tell you if things make sense or not. So, um, but yeah. but going back to what you're saying about training people. Uh, I think um, it's interesting right now because if you think of data science as, as a relatively new field, the people wading into those waters, I think there is an interesting bias um, in the personality types and the mentality of a lot of people that they're just like, I'm going to go try this, right? I'm going to go do something different. Right. And I think that some people really say, oh, well, they, they think of data scientists as like they're, they're go-getters. They work on their own, maybe not their own time, but they work on like side projects. They do these types of things because the people who have gone into the, the data science field right now essentially had to because there was no other formal structure, to, right? So I, don't, I, I will just Correct. say that like right. um, there is more to it, but it's not that you definitely have to go um, tangential to what you're trained in or over and above. I think that... Um, types of personalities. I just don't want to conflate that that is a requirement to be a data scientist. Like you can get trained, you can do the things you were trained to do. And those things can still be data science. Whereas right now, like maybe in the last like five, 10 years, like the people getting into this game, right? We're like, oh, I wasn't trained in this. I got to go learn this like right now. And everybody's usually about lifelong learning, but you know, some of the topics, you know, you have to learn as a data scientist. You like, I wouldn't say weren't trained in or just didn't know about and just got to do a lot of stuff on your own. Whereas that's, that's different, but that's, I, I just want to say that that's not, you know, necessary lifelong learning and curiosity, I think are good in any field, but it's not like you have to be the most curious person in the world to be a data scientist or something like that. Right. No, of course not. But curiosity definitely helps. So I, I want to, since we're getting running yes, low on time, I just want to say that we're going to have an episode on career paths for data scientists so in a future episode. That's one thing we definitely want to discuss, but I feel like that's a tangential topic and I want to stay focused on what is the definition of data science. But I want to pull one thing back that you, you called it earlier. So a portfolio, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. So I, I, I think some people who do a lot of data analysis, data science, think of themselves as somewhat like, not artists, but I like the idea of a portfolio the same way an artist has a portfolio. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's what I tell students. When people ask me, students specifically, or other people, what do I need to do to become a data scientist? Or how do I get hired as a data scientist? The, the first thing I tell them is to build a portfolio. And what I mean by that is to, you can say a portfolio on GitHub or a portfolio on a website or whatever, but build a a set of repositories where you are demonstrating to somebody how you built a data analysis. And it's not just building the data analysis. It's like talking about how you formulated the question, how you gathered the data, maybe describe how much effort it was or whether it was easier, was it hard, or the process that you went through, um, whether you had to think about a systems-wide approach of gathering the data, maybe the data is live streaming and you have to be able to constantly update it like Twitter or something. Um, And then, of course, building the data analysis and then also being able to communicate those results. So, for example, the students, I teach advanced data science here at Johns Hopkins. And in the course, in the final project, I require the students at the end of it to not only build this GitHub repository with the data analysis, with the R markdown and HTML, but also to create a website for their project and a two-minute YouTube video in which they just communicate the results at a high level. And what that does is it allows the students to take that in hand on the job 
to their future employer and say, look, I have built a data analysis and this is the question I addressed and this is what I learned. Watch this two minute YouTube video and it'll summarize everything for you. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if you can do that really well, you will go far in life and people will hire you because you can clearly communicate the results. And it can't just be, oh, I compared five machine learning algorithms and the area under the curve for this approach was 0.1% higher than the other one. That's not what I mean by communication. I mean, like, fundamentally, what did you learn or did you not learn? I mean, what were you not able to learn and how did you do it? And so when I tell students, what's the thing you can do to become a data scientist? It's to build a portfolio. And so I tell them, go analyze, go figure out things that interest you, that you're excited about and you want to investigate and then gather your own data, build the data analysis and show people that you can analyze data. Of course, that requires gaining a lot of skills along the way. And there are many ways you can do that. But if you can demonstrate it, it's a lot easier to hire that person as opposed to somebody who hasn't really, can't really demonstrate that yet. Does that make sense? No, I I agree. And I think uh, one of the, interesting questions you usually get on a lot of these interviews or things like that, where it's like, show me one analysis that you did something, right? You did X, Y, or Z and like send me a link to it or something. And, you know, if you think from an artist's point of view, uh, which I am definitely not one, but it, you know, they wouldn't, they would put their best, um, if they were, you know, a sculptor, they would put their best sculpture. If they were they a, ske- a sketcher, they would put their best sketch, right? So I find it interesting that, um, if you're going to put your your analysis in there, make sure it's the best one you have, or at least has the best you know communication or the best translation to something relevant uh, for for your kind of whatever you're trying to get hired for. But I think if you start mm-hmm. and think of your thing as a portfolio, and you're like, if anybody asks me, like, what do you show me why why I should hire you? You should have at least one thing analysis, figure, presentation, something that's like, this is the thing, this is my thing, right? I've worked a lot of time on this. I've, you know, put blood, blood, sweat, and tears in there. And this is the thing that I would give someone to show what I can do and how I can do it. I understand that like different analyses and things require different skills. And you're just like, oh, well, like that one showed I could really do like, you know, write like an API wrapper or something like that. But it's like, if that's not the thing that you just poured yourself into, um, don't present that one. <laughs> like, even if it's skill, yeah, even if it's skill, right? I know. I, and I think it's important. I think it's important to have not just one, but multiple. And they don't have to be like extensive. It's not like you had to work on it for six months to build it. I mean, these can be simple things, and and they can be in a variety of areas. And you could potentially be hired to work in an area that you have no area, no expertise in. Um, But of course, it helps if you have some kind of domain expertise in that area. But I think the more you have, the wider breadth you can show, the more likely I am interested to work with you and to hire you uh, just because you can clearly demonstrate that you can analyze data and you've thought about the whole process. Yeah, no, I uh, I haven't hired anybody yet, but I think you've been you've you've hired some somebody so far. So I think you definitely have seen a lot of CVs and let's say portfolios. Uh, so I, I I take your point pretty well. Well, I mean, one argument that I've heard is that the students in my courses, for example, have come back to me afterwards and said, at the time they were frustrated by the fact that they had to build with these these websites and these YouTube videos. But they come back to me and they say, thank you. You know what? I went on the job and I got hired because of this. Like it was the one thing that people wanted to discuss. And I, of course, I have other projects from other courses, but this is something tangible that I can show people. And so for me, that's very encouraging to continue to encourage students to do that. Because, of course, we want people to get jobs and we want people to continue to be successful. So um, anyways, that's the portfolio ideas. Yeah. Well, I, I think I've always said it's kind of interesting because we spend, you know, over at, at least 50% of our day on a computer. And if you have like no online presence or no presentation of your online self, I find that kind of strange. Totally. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm not saying you have to have like a Twitter. You have to be over social media. You have to have like a GitHub account with 80 repos or like, but like, you know, it doesn't take much nowadays to like pull up a website that's like, hey, I'm a real person. And these are my real person things. Right. So, 
Yeah. So before we end the show, I just want to throw out an alternative definition that um, my colleague and I, Roger Pang, and I have thought about. So there's a paper we wrote called The Elements and Principles of Data Analysis. And in it, we propose an alternative definition of data science based on what a data scientist does. And other people have thought about this, Hillary Mason, for example. But the, the way I think about it is that data science is the science and design of one, actively creating a question. So active is important there. To investigate a hypothesis with data. Two, connect that question with the collection of appropriate data and the application of appropriate methods or algorithms or computational tools or language in the data analysis. And then three, communicating and making decisions based on new or already established knowledge derived from data and data analyses. So there's like a lot wrapped up in there. So in the the one, in the first part, in actively creating a question, you could think about it, whether the data is in production or not, going back to Michael's definition. And then two, connecting that question with a collection of appropriate data. So you could think about this as with or without user interaction, maybe your data requires some kind of user interaction. These um, people could be weak or strong coders. They could be in particular domains or not. And then three, in the communication portion, you can also think about having one-way communication or a feedback loop. There's a lot wrapped up in there, but I think defining data science based on what a data scientist does, thinking about one, the question, creating the question, honing the question, two, being able to really connect that question and figure out in my toolbox that I have of um, methods and algorithms and languages, what's the best one to be able to answer this question? And then three, like, well, how can I communicate those results? I think that's a much more productive way of defining data science. And it's also nice because in the second point, in the connecting of the question with the collection of appropriate data and, and methods, you can really go a long way in terms of different people can gain different skills or different methods. Like maybe somebody wants to get really familiar with methods and tools and maybe computer science, or maybe somebody wants to focus in more statistical methods. And so you can imagine training people in all three of these areas, but then really allowing them to kind of go deep in a set of tools or a set of methods and kind of tailoring their curriculum for their own interests, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it does. Uh, I, I take, I don't know about, I, I'm not sure about the starting. You always got to start with the hypothesis. That, that, that would be one of my. Uh, oh, not, that's fair. Yeah. It might not have to have a hypothesis. Because yeah. sometimes I'm that's just fair. like, I have data and like I scrape some data from somewhere. Like, let's see if I can find something interesting. Um, that is true. That does happen. Yeah. So I will say just like ex exploration on its own for its own merit in some way I could see that, but I mean, most times, right. People aren't just collecting data for no reason, right. They were just like, I want to see something cool. That's like, you know, 1% probably of data collection, probably. But it's hard to say. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I'd be curious to hear listeners feedback on their definitions too. I think it, it's a, it's a good definition. It's, it's got a lot of the properties I was talking about with precision and, um, kind of the skill set someone would need in order to become a data scientist. Uh, so I guess I'll, I guess I'll have to read your paper uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So do you want to do data science center party? Yeah. Okay. So um, this kind of comes back to putting stuff on your CV or your resume. That's just maybe just something random. Um, so when I went on um, some interviews a few years ago, so Baltimore City has uh, an ordinance that says you, if you leave a car parked in the same position for over 48 hours, you, that can be cited. It's a citation thing because it's it's technically an abandoned car, um, and in some parts of the city, parking is a nightmare. So I used to live on this block. I don't drive that much, but I would uh, leave my car out in front of my house, and I would forget. And um, normally, the police don't uh, the the uh, meter police don't really come around and just say like, "Oh, this has been here for a while." Somebody usually has to call in. So um, I think I had a neighbor who wasn't too happy with me, understandably. So uh, I would put. Uh, so all these go into a system called 311 in Baltimore. So it's not, it's not emergency services. Uh, but 
uh, Baltimore had an API for that. So what I did was I had this script and every few days I would just run it and it would show me all nice. the open cases. And then I would use search criteria on it to say like blue truck and find if my truck had been called on. Um, I also put like certain streets that I'd try to like, I would usually park in just to be like, okay, am I going to get a ticket? Because what would happen was a police officer or a, a meter police would come out and they would say, okay, that car is here and they mark it. And then they would come back two, two days later and they say, is it still here? And then they would just give you a ticket. So I had like a two day window to potentially uh, figure this out. Right. And so we were out to dinner one night and a friend of mine said that her car got ticketed for the same reason. And I was like, oh yeah, I have like a script to check that. And so she's like, I would, I would check that. And so I, I just bundled it up into like a shiny app and I put it into my CV and it's like called like abandoned cars in Baltimore or something like that. Nice. And it's, we should put the link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, I think they closed that, 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 uh, API down. Um, oh, no. or, or actually, so, um, those who don't live in Baltimore city, there was actually a ransomware attack on a lot of Baltimore city computers that's uh, true. I've heard for that the government too. and council. Uh, so I don't know if that's, it's not up due to right. that, but anyway, I got so many questions and I ended up talking and in order, like, for how small it was what I did in, in respect to what it was on my CV and even in like it was in like section 10 of my CV or whatever, I will say like proportionally way more discussion than a lot of other things that I spent way more time on. Nice. Because uh, it was just interesting and weird and different. So You had a problem to address and you built a shiny app to address it. That's right. Yeah. You want to find out where yeah. the abandoned cars in Baltimore are. <laughs> find them. That's awesome. Yeah. What about yourself? <laughs> So for me, um, I have been awarded a grant to to build what are called open case studies, and I'm happy to talk about that in a later episode. But the idea is we are going to hire two faculty in our department, data science faculty, to build educational content in data science. And so some of that is going to be built towards these case studies. Some of that is going to be built building MOOCs, so massive open online courses. And then there's a lot of children's content that's going to be developed, whether it's children's videos or whether it's puppet related or children's book. And there's a whole lot of fun data science going on in our department. And I got to be involved in setting up the, the hiring and the advertisements for these individuals. And so the Johns Hopkins Data Science Lab is sort of spearheading this initiative. And I have really enjoyed that aspect of being able to kind of nurture along who are the people that we're looking for. And I posted the, uh, the announcement today on Twitter and we're spreading the advertisement out um, across the web and on formal job sites. So for me, that was just really exciting. That was related to data science. That, that's, that's great. Well, uh, we'll put uh, hopefully a link uh, to that in the show notes and we'll hopefully showcase it on another podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at CorrespondAuth, or my handle is StrictlyStat, and Stephanie's is Stephanie Hicks, and you can email us at thecorrespondingauthor at gmail.com.